begun. Do we have another song? Oh, no, good. All right. You may be seated. Oh, hey, we added some in the balcony this morning. Nice to see you guys. Slow but sure, we will be back to the new normal, right? Uh, which I hope is better than the old normal. I, I believe that God is going to teach us and has teaching us new things as we go through this together. Today we're coming to the end of a series. Uh, our series, Journeying Through Dark Days. And I wish I could say that this is the end of dark days. <laughs> but of course we know that it's not. Uh, even if it were the end of the pandemic, we would know, we should know that that's not the end of dark days for us. Since the fall of mankind in the Garden of Eden, we experience dark days. In fact, Jesus says that we are to expect it. We are going to have trouble in our lives, and that's why we turn to the Lord. Uh, this has been a great series for me. Uh, God has really taught me a lot, and I, every day I see something that reminds me of Psalm 23. I don't know if you have been experiencing this, but, but I certainly have, and in light of that, we're going to, I know you're looking at your note sheet going, holy smokes, Pastor Dave, are you really serious about this? There's four, 13 points on your note sheet this morning. Trust me, we're, we're going to do it. I mean, you will be surprised, um, and we will be done before 2.30 this afternoon. <laughs> so Samuel Johnson, an 18th century writer, said this, people need to be reminded more often than they need to be instructed. You know, we know lots of things. In fact, we know more things in our culture today and can find the answers to more things my daughter said to me this week, I'm like, she said, asked a question, and I said, well, here, let me Google it. And she's like, wait, come on, Dad, don't you just want to wonder for a little bit? And I thought, no, I want to know the answer right now. And I can get the answer right now. But more, so often, we, now we need to learn new things. I'm not discounting education. But we, for sure, need to remember the things that we already know. And today we're going to see that. I mean, really, the question, is God really good all the time? Initially, the thought is, well, of course he is. But does our, do we live our life every day as if that were the case? Uh, I'm excited to see what God is going to teach you today. At the end, we're going, to, we're going to go through Psalm 23 once again, again, to remember truth about God. Like the saying goes, right? God is good all the time. It sounds so cliche. It just sounds like one of those pithy religious church things that we say. But it's true. It is true every day. Uh, what about the, the prayer that you learned as a child, maybe? God is great, God is good, and we thank him for this food. Yes, God is good. But the more that we say that and we repeat that, the more it sort of becomes rote and we repeat it and say it without even thinking about it. Like, like the Lord's Prayer, which we said at the end of the service last week. I know churches that do that every Sunday. They say the Lord's Prayer every Sunday after church. And I think that's great, but, but it can become stale and old and just something that we say and not truly believe or think about. When, when we, I'm, not, I'm not knocking churches that do that, okay? I'm not saying that. But we just really need to, to remember uh, the reality that God teaches us. Uh, what about the times when you're in pain? Is God 
really good then? Uh, is God good when you're in pain? Or the times that you're in conflict, is God still good? Is God good when you're, uh, there are times when you're depressed? Is God good? Or you're stressed or you're under attack? Is God really good all the time? And how do I know that goodness when I can't feel it? How do I know it? Uh, I mean, I'm sort of a, a head kind of guy anyway, so it's easy for me to just intellectually assent that God is good, yet not feel it. And I think it's important that both occurs. I want to ask us to do something this morning. I want everybody to stand up again. Uh, if you're at home and you're watching right now, stand up. Stand up. Get out of your chair. You don't need to put your slippers on. Just stand up right where you are. Okay? And I want us to read Psalm 100 together. Here we go. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Amen. You may be seated. So according to the Bible, the Lord is always good. He is always good. And his faithfulness goes on and on and on and on to each succeeding generation. He is good. So the quick and sure answer, and I should just pray and we should go home, is yes. Yes, God is really good all the time. He is divine. He is sovereign. He is perfect. We, we just sang about that. And he is good. In fact, it's contrary to his nature to be anything but good. I would, we say nothing is impossible for God. While that's true, I would say that him not being good is impossible. It's just, he just, he will, okay, let's not, let me, let me rephrase this. It's, well, he just won't be anything other than good. Period. End of story. God is good. And? I am not. I am not. We worship God because he is good all the time. We read psalms and we sing praises and give thanks because God is good. One way to understand God's goodness, the Bible tells us, is not just by reading the Bible, not just listening to the Bible or hearing a message on it, but worship. And that worship, that getting on our knees, that lifting our hands before him and praising him opens our hearts up and our minds up and it connects us to him, just like we talked about in last week's message. It's a struggle for us on a daily basis to not take him for granted. Right, parents? You're like, man, my kids take me for granted all the time. Kids, you need to know, yes, you absolutely take your parents for granted sometimes. Parents, adults, we take our God for granted sometimes. It's hard for us 
not to. We need to be reminded, like this morning's message, we are being reminded of the goodness of God, and one of the things, one of the responses that should gain from us is worship. We're going to first this morning look at four negative consequences that occur when we forget or doubt God's goodness. Okay, four things that happen uh, negatively when we forget how God, how good God really is. The first one is this, I start claiming credit for things that God did for me. When I forget how good God is, I start claiming credit for those things that he did in me, through me, to me, for me, by me, and with me. And when I do that, I start to head down a path that can cause a lot of depression, a lot of stress, a lot of exhaustion, and as we will see in the next two illustrations, possibly quick judgment from God himself. So, We're not going to go there, but in Luke chapter 12, Jesus tells this story. He tells this parable about this man who was quite wealthy, maybe a billionaire in in Jesus' standards in his day. I don't know. But he he was very successful, had a lot of money. And one day, he was surveying his vast empire. And he said, what? What am I going to do? Look at all that I've done. What? Whoa, what? What should... What should I do now? And, and the decision that he comes to is, I'm going to build bigger barns to store all of my stuff in so that I can continue to amass more. Now, I know some of your farmers are going, yeah, but I just built a grain bin last, last year. Okay, that's cool. That's not so that you can just store it and have it. That's so you can hopefully maybe one day wait out the market and sell it at a higher price. It's, 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 I don't know anybody that just builds grain bins just so they can go out and look at their bins and go, ooh, look, they're full of wheat or whatever, okay? But that's not, the, that's not where this guy was, okay? He's building bigger barns, and he doesn't give God any credit for what he has. He takes it all on himself, and he thinks uh, that he did it all by himself. And God says to this rich man, and I quote Luke 12, you fool, you fool, Tonight, you're going to die, and I'm going to give everything that you've amassed to somebody else. Someone who is grateful, maybe. Someone who is rich in godly ways is the point of his story. It's a sober warning, I think, to us. Think about this. The foundation of our rebellion against God is found in prideful ingratefulness, ingratitude ungratefulness. Ingratitude, not being grateful to God for his goodness. We see it over and over in scripture, and I see it in my own life. Maybe you see it in yours. Pride and ingratitude is the sin that got Satan kicked out of heaven. He wanted to be God. He was ungrateful to God. He was prideful, thought too highly of himself, and not high enough of God. It's the path that Adam and Eve walked down. This is a serious thing. When I stop being grateful to God for all the good in my life, that's when I get in trouble. Look up here at Acts chapter 12, 21 through 23, another illustration of this. Verse 21, on the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robe, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. I mean, this must have been an amazing message. Because the people's response, they shouted, this is the voice of a God, not of a man. 
Now, Herod can't control what people say about him, but he certainly has full control of his response to what people say about him, and he just left it hang. In fact, I would suggest that he was basking in it. They think I'm a god. Wow, that is, oh, the power trip that he must have been experiencing. Look what it says in verse 23. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. Wow. I mean, God didn't take his life because he was immoral. God didn't take his life because he was greedy or because he lied to people. God said, you are ungrateful and you're making yourself out to be a God. The problem with the self-made man is that he worships his maker, right? He says, I did it all. And, and when we get to that point, we are skating on thin ice. We, you might say, but, but, but wait, wait a minute. I built this business with my bare hands. Well, who gave you those hands? But, but it was my business plan. Who gave you the mind? Who gave you the intelligence? God did. But, but I, I worked hard by the sweat of my brow, and I would say, well, who gave you the sweat? God did. God did. Everything we have in our lives, we owe to him. Everything. And if you think there's something that you don't owe to him, then you need to evaluate where you're at. We would not take our next breath if it weren't for the goodness of God. You wouldn't be sitting here today if it weren't for the goodness of God. Some of you think, well, it's because of the decision the governor made. No! God is working this out, and we can trust him for that. We wouldn't exist if God hadn't made you to love you and made you to love him. Your ability to see, my ability to hear, even though sometimes it's not that great, we wouldn't have those abilities if God hadn't given them to us. May we never forget that all that we have in life came from, from our good God, who is good all of the time. God wants us to remember the source of our success, and it's him. It's him every day. James 1.17, every good, and not some, not a few, every good and perfect gift comes from God, and God is a good God. So the first thing that happens when I deny or forget that God is good all the time is I start claiming credit for stuff that actually I didn't do. A second consequence of forgetting God's goodness is I stop asking God for help. Now I know that I know that I've been in this place before. And that's a big problem because when we forget how eager God is to help us, we start depending on ourselves, and when we start depending on ourselves, we stop asking God. We talked about how important it is to ask God last week. God wants to help us. He is waiting for us to ask. Like we saw last week, we need to ask. In fact, over Pastor Michael had a, over 100, and I think you actually printed them out, right? You have them with you. 
verses that talk about how good God is, the New Testament 20 times tells us to ask. Here's one of them, Matthew 7, 7. Jesus says, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Are you asking? Are you seeking? Are you knocking? Or, or are you just living life yourself because you feel like you're capable? That's what happens when we forget that God is good all the time. In fact, the more we ask, the more God can meet our needs. And the more he does meet our needs and the more that we grow in our trust. Now, trust is grown over time. You know, you don't surrender your life to Jesus Christ and boom, automatically you trust him with every aspect of your life. Trust, it, it's part of the journey. Uh, I think about when I was a young child and I was growing up. Uh, I learned to trust my dad and I trusted him completely. When I had a need, I would ask. And if my dad recognized that it was actually a need, even sometimes if it was just a want and he thought it was good for me, so he would respond to that. And what would he do? He would, he would meet the need. And I would experience that. And then the next time I would be maybe more willing to ask. And I would know that I could trust dad. And I, I knew that I could always trust dad if he said, yes, I will meet that need, that he would not drop the ball. He would be there to meet the need. Dad, I, dad we need a cupboard for our hallway. He would show up the next week, measure it, go home, build it, and then give me a call and say, well, I got your cabinets done. I mean, we have cabinets in our house because dad met a need. Dad, we're, we really want to buy this house, but I don't have enough for the down payment. Can you help us out? Yes. Dad, I really need to replace all of the hot water heating pipes in my house. You got a week? Sure. He came. He helped. I knew that I could trust him to provide anything that he could. Now, the, the difference between God and my father is God, nothing is impossible for God. So, so if, if I ask God to do something, the answer is either yes, no, or give me some time, right? Or actually, you need some time. <laughs> uh, I want you to wait. And it's the same way, it's exactly the same way with God. We have, a, we have a need in our life, we need to ask. You need to express it to him. God meets that need, and you trust him more and more and more over time. Now, there may be patience involved, but he is good, and we can trust him to do what's best for us. So if he says no, we can trust that it's not something that I need. Uh, Luke eleven thirteen. If you then, though you are evil, that's us, know how to give good gifts to your children, which I think we do as parents, how much more will your Father in heaven, who is good, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So what's God's motivation for for answering our prayers. David tells us in Psalm 69, 16, answer me, O Lord, out of the goodness of your love. He is good. Everything God does for you, through you, to you, and in you, he does because he is good. 
Let's not forget how good God is. There's a third negative consequence that happens when we forget how good God really is, and it's this. We stop trusting God in difficult times. You know, I mean, we are in independent, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, bootstraps Wyoming, right? Show me a problem and we can get through it. I don't even need you. We might think about, think to our neighbor or our family member. I think it happens a lot here in Wyoming. But if we were more aware of how good God really is, trusting him would be our first response to a situation. Have you ever, you ever lost your keys? I never lose anything. <laughs> right? My wife's shaking her head. She's going, that's a lie. That's a lie. Um, I, I, and uh, Pastor Michael has a story that he tells about some lost keys once where they, I don't know if this was a first response, but it was a response fairly quickly to just pray and ask God to help them find him. And it was actually pretty miraculous how they found those keys. Have you ever found yourself looking for a, a little set screw in the grass? There was one time where God didn't answer that prayer. I never did find it. Uh, I went to the store and bought one just the other day. But um, seriously, nothing is too small to ask God for. We need to ask. We need to ask. Uh, and, and of course, difficult times, I'm, those are kind of small things. Although in the moment, car keys can be pretty big The more we trust God in difficult times, the easier it becomes the next time, the more natural it becomes to ask him in the moment for whatever it is. God, I just need this. I need that. Whatever it is, we just go to him instantly. God would be our first choice, not our last resort, which sometimes he becomes our last resort. Because look, I mean, I don't want to bother him, right? If I can get this figured out myself, then that's not what God wants. He wants us to ask him. Look at uh, these verses, Psalm 16, 1 and 2. David, keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Every good thing I have comes from you, he says. We must never forget that. But what about the bad things that happen to us? You know, like this virus and, and other troubles that we experience in life. Even when things are going wrong, we can still have joy in the midst of those things because we know that God will use them for good in our life because we know that God doesn't make mistakes because we know that God doesn't someday go, oh, I really wish I hadn't have done that or allowed that or let that happen. God doesn't, God doesn't say that. So even in difficult times, God leverages those, I've been using that word a lot here lately, those things for good, for his purpose, for his plan in your life and, and in mine. Romans 5.3 says this, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And I know you're thinking, God, I've got enough perseverance. I don't need any more. Yes, we do. Even when times are tough, we can know that God is good. 
You know, not everything that happens in our life is good. There is a lot of bad. But he is still good. If we forget that God really is good all the time, we start taking credit for things that God actually did. We stop asking him for, for help. We stop trusting him. In difficult times, and the last negative consequence I want to mention this morning is we become pessimistic about the future. Isn't that true? I mean, we're living very close to that one right now, aren't we? Oh, who knows what the governor's going to say next week or in, in a couple weeks, or who knows what's going to happen in a month. Or, I mean, and, and when we think about, oh, no, we're not going to be able to have vacation Bible school. We really want to have vacation Bible school. But if we're not careful, we, we head down the negative road and we say it's a travesty if we don't, instead of recognizing that God is still good in the midst of this and that there is something to be learned. Something to be learned. God, I mean, God doesn't need vacation Bible school. He can minister to kids and families in other ways, and he is, trust me, in the midst of this. But here's the thing. It's so easy to lose hope, isn't it? But if we would just remember constantly how good and powerful God is, our hope would be lasting. David tells us that of this connection between hope and the goodness of God in Psalm 27. Verses 13 and 14, I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart, and wait for the Lord. I mean, David says that there would be no hope if God was not a good God. But because he is, there is. David also mentions this word wait. Some of you, I'm not even sure that's in your vocabulary. Wait. Be patient. Relax. We talked about that one a couple weeks ago, right? I mean, I'm, I'm a terribly impatient person when it comes to some things. So this man, he goes to the doctor. And he hobbles in and he's complaining about a swollen foot. After a careful examination, the doctor gives the man this big pill, enough to choke a horse. And he says, I'll be right back with some water. So the doctor's been gone for a while, and the man's just, you know how it is, sitting in a, an exam room waiting for the doctor. Are they ever going to come? You hear footsteps. You hear the little thing, click, click. Oh, no, that's the door next door. That's the, the, the door over. Okay, so he got tired of waiting. So he goes out, he hobbles out to the drinking fountain, and he forces this pill down his throat and gulps as much water as he can to finally wash it down. He hobbles back in. He sits down in the examination room. Moments later, the doctor comes in with a bucket of water, and he says, all right, after the tablet dissolves, soak your foot in this for about 20 minutes. Ah, we're so impatient. I mean, do you ever get so much in, in so much of a hurry that you don't have time to even ask God, or when you do ask God, you don't wait? I mean, we see that with Abraham, but we can sort of we can sort of understand that because it was years, right? He's thinking, well, God, are you gonna do this? I'm getting old. 
And, and what does he do? He takes things into his own hands, which is exactly what we do. We just need to wait. God, there's this thing that I want to buy, and it's really important. Would you give it to me? And then we wait 10 minutes. And he hasn't given it to us yet, so we just slap it on the credit card or whatever. I mean, really. Lord, before I buy this, I'm going to give you a chance to give it to me. Do you want to give this to me? Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? I've, that's actually been pretty challenging to me this week to think about that. God wants to give his children good gifts. Why wouldn't we ask him to provide it for us? Hmm. Or God, I really want to get married, but I'm not going to wait on you to provide that person. I'm going to go out there and find the nearest beating heart. I did that, I did that multiple times growing up. Praise God, he saved me from every one of them till the last one. <laughs> but that's sort of how I felt. In fact, I told a counselor that. It just feels like God's pulling the rug right out from under me in every one of these relationships. It just, it, it comes to an end before I want it to. Actually, that's not true. It came to an end because I wanted it to, but there were other things underlying that. So, uh, But I still, even though it was my decision, felt like somehow God was pulling the rug out from under me. no. Actually, in retrospect, God was saving me, protecting me. So I can look at that negatively or I can look at that positively. He was not doing what I wanted him to, but what he wanted to do was actually what was best. I just needed to trust him for that. Um, so here's what hope is. Hope is anticipating God's goodness. If God is good and we ask him for something, we're patient, I can have hope that he's going to provide whatever that looks like, right? It's anticipating God's goodness. There's hope in every situation in life, and we have hope in life because God is a good God. If God is not a good God, there is no radical, rational, logical reason for hope. Period. We're all on our own, but we're not, because he is good. The foundation of all hope is found in the goodness of God. If God is not a good God, we don't have any hope. Uh, remember this verse from last week, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. We have hope in a future. Why? Because God is good. All the time. God is good. God has good plans for your life. He does not have bad, God doesn't have bad plans for your life. Now, his plans might be different than yours. And it's just you and me coming in line with those plans that he has. But he only has good plans for your life. Many people miss God's plan for their life because because they're too busy doing their own plan. One of those plans for our hope and our future was given to us through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Wow, that's a hope giver. That's the hope giver. Hope in life and death because of the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made on our behalf. Jesus, the light of the world, our good shepherd. What a gift. No matter what life throws at you or me, that truth never changes. Jesus Christ is 
our Savior and we have hope in him. So let's not forget that God is indeed good all the time. All the time. Now, I'm, I want to close this morning, and I say close, but that word doesn't mean in the next two minutes, okay? Just <laughs> so you know. You know, because you've heard one of those pastors, right? It's just like, land the plane. Land it. Just land it. <laughs> We've been in ground effect for the last 15 minutes. Just set her down. Okay, get ready. Here's the next nine points. <laughs> right? Psalm 23 assures us. The guys in the back are going, oh no, he's standing up. Sit down. Psalm 23 is a great, such a great description of the goodness of God. Our good shepherd. So, because God is good, number one, verse one, he will meet my needs when I'm worried. He will meet my needs when I'm worried because God is a good God. The Lord is my shepherd. I will lack nothing. He will provide it, whatever you need. Now, again, there's this difference between needs and wants. My plan and his plan, that's part of the struggle. That's part of the journey. But God is good, and he will meet your needs when you're worried. Number two, he will teach you, me, to relax when I'm stressed out. He makes me lie down in green pastures, I'm not sure that's a forceful make. He leads me besides quiet waters. I mean, that is a metaphor for peace and tranquility. Uh, when, when my youngest daughter began residing with us again before the summer this year, she graduated yesterday, by the way, um, <laughs> along with lots of other University of Wyoming students, and congratulations to them and Eastern Wyoming College, and I know the lingual grads are going to eventually graduate when, you know, it's a big step. And, and UW did a great job as best as they could with the online thing. I mean, I actually teared up during Craig Bowles' speech. No, I, I uh, it was good. It was good. Um, but one of the things that she's been doing is she gets up in the morning early to, to just spend some time with the Lord, and she puts this fire on the TV. You know, this burning fire with crackling flames and all of that. It was great at Christmas time, but I mean, it's summertime, right? So I started searching YouTube for other things. And one of the things that I've really enjoyed are streams with a campfire burning on the TV in the morning. And, and it just, I, when my mother was in the last weeks of her life, I can remember my brother Dennis sitting beside her chair he would read a line of the, the Lord's Prayer or of the 23rd Psalm, and then he would say, okay, now, Mom, pretend you're there. Describe to me. What does it look like? What does it feel like? What does it sound like? And she would describe it. And he, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He helps us to relax in times when we're stressed out. He teaches us how to relax, because he is good and we can trust him. Number three, because God is good, he will replenish my strength when I'm empty. Truth be told, some of you right now, man, your tank is empty. You are out of gas. You're running on fumes, as we used to say. 
He restores my soul. Most of the modern translations say he gives me new strength, sustenance, fulfilled needs, salvation. He restores our souls. He fills us up when we are empty. Number four, because God is a good God, he will guide me when I'm confused. Nothing stresses you out as much as indecision. Ah, what am I going to do? I don't know. What's the governor going to say? I don't know. I'm so stressed out about it. I I don't have any influence on what the governor is going to say. So why should I stress about that? Just what's my next step? What is our next? We've taken the next step. Pine Bluffs Baptist, they don't get the actual approval, and they had to submit a floor plan of how they were going to socially distance. They're going to try it out next week. I mean, you know, some of you are shaking your heads and going, well, that's just really ridiculous. But it is what it is. And, and we work with what we have. Now, we may next time <laughs> rise up and uh, convince them that their plan is not the best plan. But uh, anyway, that's another discussion. He guides us when we're confused. He guides me in the right paths for his name's sake because because he is a good God. He's not playing games with us. Number five, because God is a good God, he will walk with me in my dark and fearful days. He's not going to leave you alone. We're going to face dark days. We are now. We are in the future. There's going to be some fearful times ahead, but he's going to be with us. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. If God's with you, it doesn't matter who's against you. And he says he is, and he says he's good. You can trust him. Number six, he will protect me when I feel insecure. Verse four, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Remember the rod and staff from several weeks ago? Two tools. One was one of protection. One is one of discipline. I don't know if I've ever said, oh, I'm so comforted, Dad, by your discipline. But it's true. It is for my own good. Literally, it is. God doesn't make mistakes. If he disciplines us for something, the discipline is appropriate. It's correct. We just need to listen to it. It's good. Number six, he will protect me when I feel insecure. Actually, I just did that one. That's God's assurance. Number seven, because God is a good God, he will publicly show his favor on my life. As Christ followers, we have the favor of God on us. I believe it. I've experienced it in my own life. I know it. I feel it. Other people have seen it. It's not something that that I'm proud of, I don't say, oh, look how much God has favored me. I'm thankful for it. I'm grateful for it because he is a good God. God says, I will publicly show my favor on your life even when everybody's attacking and criticizing you. You prepare a banquet for me in front of all my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. He says, I'm not just going to meet your needs. It's going to overflow. 
Just trust me. Number eight, because God is a good God, he will be good to me no matter what happens. I think this one's important. I think they're all important, obviously. But for some of you, you think, well, I've done some things in my life that I'm not very proud of, and I don't think God is very proud of, and I'm not sure he can really forgive me for those. Well, look, you need to hear this morning that that God doesn't love you because of what you do and who you are and what you have done or haven't done. God loves you because he's good. And there isn't anything that we can do to convince him otherwise that we're unlovable. Other people may not be good to you in the future, but God will. You can count on that. He's consistent in his love, his benevolence. He will be good to me no matter what happens. Surely goodness, there's that word good. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen in my life. I don't know what's going to happen in your life, but I do know this. God's love will follow you till the end of your life. God's goodness and mercy will always be with you. We, we can handle anything if God's goodness and mercy are with us. That's his love. And number nine, as if eight isn't enough, he takes us into the next life because God is a good God. He will take me to heaven one day. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's a long time forever. That is the goodness of God. Right? (laughs) You didn't think I could do it. It isn't even 11 o'clock, or is it? Straight up, 11 o'clock. Worship team, come on up here. What great reminders, right? What great hope. What assurance for the future, no matter what kind of dark valley or shadow you might be facing, what you're in, what may be in your future. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. That's not, again, just a cliche. It's the truth. Jesus assures us with these words in John 10, 10 through 11. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I, this is Jesus, I'm quoting him, I am the good shepherd. There's no doubt about it. The good shepherd, Jesus says, lays down his life for the sheep. All of the benefits that we've seen today in the word of God are available to us not because we're good, but because he is. He is a good God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for all that have gathered here with us this morning in this room and thank you for all of those who are gathered with us in their homes and wherever they are. Lord, I want to pray for each and every one of us and I'm going to assume some things as I pray, God. I, this is true for me. I, I just pray that you will help us all to stop claiming credit for things that you have done in our lives. Lord, help us to humbly put ourselves before you every day knowing that you are good and that we are not. God, 
may we never stop asking for help. Father, we, we need your help to ask. I pray that you would, would help us with that this week. Father, sometimes we stop trusting you in difficult times and we just try to figure it out ourselves. And, and, and what that usually means for me is anxiety and worry. And God, I pray that, that you would that you would give me, you would give us the strength to trust you in difficult times. And Father, may we not be pessimistic about the future, especially right now. Those that we run into every day, those that are talking about just the devastating effects of the pandemic, and, and they have been serious, yes. But God, I pray that, that as your people, you would give us the ability to see the good, even if it's just you, to be able to testify and bear witness to that to our neighbors and our family and our friends. Use us, even in hard times. Thank you, Jesus. Help us to remember your goodness. You are the good shepherd, and you are good all the time. In Jesus' name, amen.